Welcome to House of David Ministries. I'm Pastor Eric Michael Teitelman. Join me as we learn about the rich heritage of our Christian faith. In each episode, we explore a unique topic that will deepen your knowledge of Christ and who we are as His people. In this episode, we will discover the spiritual mysteries of the shofar. Now, the first time we read about the shofar in the Bible is right after the Exodus, when the Israelites encamped below Mount Sinai. The Hebrew word used in these verses is shofar, commonly recognized as a ram's horn. And the Lord had instructed the Israelites to wait for the third day when he would come down upon the mountain, and the blast of a shofar would sound before them. In Leviticus, and then again in Numbers, we read about the Feast of Trumpets. In Hebrew, it's called Yom Teruah, which means a day of blowing. The day is more accurately referred to as a sacred occasion commemorated with loud blasts. We read in Numbers chapter 29, The first day of the seventh month shall be a sacred holiday to you when you may not do any mundane labor. It shall be a day of teruah, blowing, for you. The Hebrew word used here again is teruah, which means blowing or to blow. In Leviticus, we also read about the shofar of the Jubilee, the Yovel, that was blown on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. This day came ten days after the Feast of Trumpets. And here specifically, the Lord commanded the blowing of a ram's horn, a shofar. The words shofar and jubilee are sometimes used in combination, called the horn of jubilee, karen hayovel. At other times in scripture, the word jubilee is synonymous with a shofar and are therefore considered the same. So now we're going to talk about the two silver trumpets. In Numbers, we read about the commandment for the Israelites to make two silver trumpets that were to be used in companion with the shofar. The Hebrew word for trumpet is chatzotzarot, which is plural, or singular, chatzotzeret. And unfortunately, there is confusion in the King James translation, which uses the same English word trumpet for both a ram's horn and a silver trumpet. But in Hebrew, on the other hand, there is a distinction between the two because they are not the same instrument. The silver trumpets were blown differently and used for specific festivals, either in combination or separately with the shofar. We read in Numbers chapter 10, Also in the day of your gladness, in your appointed feasts, at the beginning of your months, you shall blow the trumpets, and here it's bechutzatzarot, over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifice of your peace offerings, and they shall be a memorial for you before your God. I am the Lord your God. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, were instructed to blow the silver trumpets as an everlasting ordinance. Again, in Numbers chapter 10, it says, When you go to war in your land against the enemy who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets, and you will be remembered before the Lord your God, and you will be saved from your enemies. And so we see the purpose here was to call forth God's army to battle. Shortly after this commandment, we read about Israel going to war with the Midianites. And again, it was the sons of Aaron who blew the silver trumpets. Now, later in scripture at the walls of Jericho, it is interesting to read that the priests were commanded to blow a shofar instead of a trumpet. It says in Joshua chapter 6, 
And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets, shofars. So now let's talk about the shofar. The shofar is mentioned 72 times in the Bible. It is molded and polished from a single horn of a kosher animal. And of course, excluded is the horn of a cow because the Israelites worshipped the cow in the sin of the golden calf. It's ironic, though, that the word shofar is actually derived from the Hebrew words shor and par, which translates as bull and ox. The shofar is traditionally made from a ram, a male sheep at least one year old. It can also be made from the bushwhack antelope, which is also called a kudu. The shofar is carefully hollowed out, sterilized, and bent to its desired shape. And the bending symbolizes the human heart, which should be bent or bowed before the Lord. The narrow tip is cut and shaped into a mouthpiece, and any cracks or holes in the shofar render it unsuitable, because there's no mending with any foreign substance that is permitted. Over time, each Jewish community developed their own style of shofar. Spanish and Sephardic communities and Jewish communities in Poland used either a flat or straight shofar with a low pitch or one that is bent that develops a very high tone. In North Africa, the Jewish people use a straight shofar with a deep sound. In Holland, a goat horn is traditionally used. And Yemenite Jews use either a ram's horn or the classic long spiral shofar made from a bushwhack antelope or an ibex that produces a deep trumpet-like sound. Some shofars are decorated with precious stones or carved with symbols like the Star of David or a menorah, and Christian and Messianic communities have also painted or decorated their shofars with silver. Wetting the inside of the shofar with water can enhance its sound, but coating the inside with lacquer or urethane can distort the sound and renders it invalid. There are many legends and mysteries surrounding the small number of shofar makers and their trade secrets. And today, most shofars are actually made in Israel. But the horns themselves are mostly collected in Morocco, Algeria, and countries in South Africa. The shofar is one of the world's oldest and supernaturally enchanted instruments of worship in Jewish culture. In the Bible, the shofar is conceived as an instrument used by God himself. It is a symbol of God and a manifestation of his voice, the shofar of the Messiah. It invokes an emotion of the soul that is beyond words to describe and no human sound is closely comparable. It blows a hole in our hearts with a powerful force that releases a flood of pent-up feelings and emotions, opening our souls to the untapped yearning for the presence of God. There is simply nothing else like it. So let's talk about how we use the shofar. In Judaism, each blast of a shofar has a unique spiritual impact. The instrument is blown in the upward position, the same as the horn exists in nature. One of the central commandments of the Feast of Trumpets, which is also called Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, is to hear the blowing of the shofar. The rabbis teach that Rosh Hashanah marks the beginning of creation. And on this day, we are proclaiming God to be king and creator of the universe at his coronation ceremony. Therefore, it is customary to stand when the shofar is sounded as we are standing before the king of kings. 
And in the Jewish prayers, we read, For the Lord Almighty, great King of the entire universe, rose to the sound of teruah, God to the sound of the shofar. Blowing the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, therefore, foretells of the coming kingdom of God. Our sages set forth two blessings over the shofar, each beginning with, Blessed are you, God our Lord, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments. You will notice the blessing begins in the second person, us, and concludes in the third person, him. Experiencing God's benevolence, we are telling the Lord that we are too small and unworthy to stand before the king and speak to him. We are unable to refrain from blessing him for what he has done for us. And in response to hearing these blessings and the blowing of the shofar, we say, Amen, inferring the same blessing upon us as if we had ourselves recited the prayer and blown the shofar. When the temple stood in Jerusalem, the shofar was used during specific convocations. For example, the commencement of Shabbat, the beginning of months, the new moons, and the 50th year of Jubilee, the Yovel. It was used during Selichot, which are the two days before Rosh Hashanah when we beg for God's forgiveness. And it was blown on certain days of fasting. On the Day of Atonement, the holiest day of the year, when the last shofar blast would sound, the high priest would stand silently at the entrance to the Holy of Holies. He would chant a short prayer as he entered the room in silence, asking God to atone for the people. And the connection the high priest must have felt with God at that moment is probably beyond description. This one man represented the entire nation of Israel before the Lord, and the reverence he experienced for God reverberated to every Jewish soul, especially those who were present in the temple with him. The shofar was also used at other special celebrations, such as the return of the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem and during Asa's repentance when he removed the idols from the land of Judah and Benjamin. After the second temple was destroyed, sadly the shofar lost much of its significance in the daily lives of the Jewish people. Now you'll notice from the Bible that both the silver trumpets and the shofar were blown on these festivals and new moons accordingly. So we read in Psalm 98, with trumpets, vechotzatzarot, and the sound of a horn, the shofar. Each instrument had a particular purpose. The rabbis explained in the Mishnah, which is the oral commentary on the Torah, the books of Moses, that in Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, the silver trumpets were blown abruptly, but the shofar was blown for an extended time. Their reasoning is because the shofar was considered to be the timely mitzvah, meaning the commanded blessing. This commandment is highlighted in Psalm 81, where it reads, Blow the trumpet, the shofar, at the time of the new moon, at the full moon, on our solemn feast day. On these festivals, one's awe for God was to be greater than one's love for him. So for this reason, the rabbis instruct us. The level of divine pleasure evoked through the blowing of the shofar in the holy temple, the location where God's essence was manifest, is greater than the pleasure naturally activated on Shabbat. As such, the shofar is sounded in the temple even when Rosh Hashanah falls on Shabbat. So on Rosh Hashanah, we mark the beginning of the ten days of repentance, or days of awe, that lead up to Yom Kippur and the Day of Atonement. And during this time, we are warned to repent and turn away from our wicked ways, 
called Teshuva, and to seek the king's kindness. So blowing the shofar during these ten days is an integral mystery linked to the day of the Lord. The sounds reach heaven and create a tangible presence of awe towards God. The sound of the shofar instills a sense of trepidation and fear that should lead us to humble ourselves before God. We read in Amos chapter 3, If a trumpet, a shofar, is blown in a city, will not the people be afraid? If there is calamity in a city, will not the Lord have done it? This atmosphere of awe towards God climaxes on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the culmination of God's judgments and the Day of the Lord. The sages tell us that on Rosh Hashanah, when the Lord hears the call of the shofar, he rises from his throne of justice and sits on his throne of mercy and judges the personal accounts of each man and woman. This time of judgment is called the shofar blast of remembrance, Zikaron Teruah, as God is reminded of his covenant with Israel. So let's talk about what the shofar then reminds us of. The shofar reminds us of the revelation of the Torah and the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, Matan Torah, which is celebrated on Shavuot, Pentecost. The Israelites declare to the Lord, We shall do and we shall hear. These prayers are recited in the holiday prayers called Musaf. These are additional prayers added to the regular service and is referred to as a sacrifice of prayer. In these prayers, we declare, You revealed yourself in the cloud, in sounds and lightning bolts. You were revealed before them, and at the sound of the shofar, you appeared to them. So for this reason, the blessing of hearing the shofar is expanded when it is sounded among the congregation. As we read in Proverbs chapter 14, in a multitude of people is a king's honor. The sound of the shofar rising and falling symbolizes the binding of the forces of darkness and releases the Jewish people from bondage. This is called the shofar of redemption, and at the end of the age, the shofar symbolizes the children of Israel being redeemed from the land of Egypt. This great shofar will be blown on the day of the Lord when he finally delivers the children of Israel from all the earth where he scattered us. And so we read in Isaiah chapter 27, So it shall be in that day, the great trumpet, the shofar will be blown. The shofar reminds us of the words of our prophets, warning the people of the judgment to come if we do not repent. Ezekiel declared in chapter 33, When I bring the sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, when he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet, the shofar, and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. The shofar reminds us of the walls of Jericho that fell with the blowing of the shofar. And it reminds us of the destruction of Jerusalem, which came under the victorious trumpet blasts of our enemies. The shofar was a reminder of the great test of faith of Abraham, which is called in Hebrew, Yirat Shomayim when he prepared to sacrifice his only son Isaac on Mount Moriah. The rabbis recite, Said the Lord, Blow to me the horn of a ram, so that I shall remember how Isaac, son of Abraham, was bound, and thus I shall remember them. 
The shofar reminds us of the day of the Lord and judgment at the end of this age. It reminds us of the ingathering of the Jewish people to their homeland. It reminds us of the assembling of the Gentiles to Jerusalem on the Feast of Tabernacles. And it reminds us of the future coming resurrection of the dead. We read in Zephaniah chapter 1, The great day of the Lord is near, a day of trumpet, blowing the shofar, an alarm against the fortified cities, against the high towers. And in Isaiah chapter 18, it says, All inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth, when he lifts up a banner on the mountains, you shall see it. And when he blows a trumpet, you hear it. In the Jewish prayers, we say, And a great shofar will sound, and the voice of thin silence shall be heard, and angels shall rush, and awe and fear shall grasp them, and they shall say, This is the day of judgment. And so it is written in Zephaniah chapter 1, I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away both man and beast. I will sweep away the birds in the sky and the fishes in the sea and the idols that cause the wicked to stumble. When I destroy all mankind on the face of the earth, declares the Lord. And in Isaiah chapter 24, the Lord said, See, the Lord is going to lay waste the earth and devastate it. He will ruin its face and scatter its inhabitants. And lastly, the shofar serves to confuse Satan so he cannot effectively serve as a prosecutor at Israel's divine judgment. And this so that we merit a merciful ruling from the Lord. The Lord declared that in the 50th year, the shofar of the Jubilee will sound, freeing Israel from all her debt and returning the captives back to the land of their inheritance. It says in Leviticus chapter 25, Then you shall cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement you shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all your land. This very last shofar blast declares God's final atonement for the Jewish people and their land. And so we read again from Deuteronomy chapter 32, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people for he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. So let's talk for a moment about the sounds of the shofar. According to the Mishnah, there are three primary musical notes blown with the shofar for a total of nine mandatory notes that must be blown. These are called tekiah, teruah, and tekiah. And they are repeated three times each for a total of nine. In the 4th century, three additional notes were added, including shevarim, which sounds like a groaning person. Maimonides explained this by saying the blowing of the shofar is like the howl of a wailing woman or the moan of someone travailing in his heart over something dire. The rabbis later expounded in the Talmud that a total of 30 blasts are required, and today the shofar is blown a total of 100 times in the following pattern. Teruah, consisting of nine short blasts. Shivarim, comprising three short blasts, with each one taking the same length of time as the three blasts of Teruah. And Tekiah, which is a single blast that is the length of Teruah and Shivarim combined. Now, Ashkenazi Jews produce a staccato rhythm, while the Sephardic Jews produce a wavy tremolo sound. The final blast is the large Tekiah Gedola, which is three times longer than the normal Tekiah. 
The words tekiah and teruah share common verbs and gerunds that are used to represent both the silver trumpet and the shofar. These 100 sounds are considered symbolic of the 101 letters of Sisera's mother who lamented for her son's return from battle. Sisera had died in battle and his mother's lament is recorded in the book of Judges and it is called the Song of Deborah. In the Sephardic communities, an additional tekiah is sounded, totaling 101 and corresponding with the numerical value of the name Michael, the guardian angel of Israel who seeks mercy on our behalf. The meaning for the word teruah comes from Psalm 2, where it reads, You shall break them, in Hebrew, teruahim, with a rod of iron. You shall dash them into pieces like a potter's vessel. Jewish mystics describe the shofar sound this way. The teruah blasts are in the spiritual realms of beauty, called sefirah tiferet, and it breaks the power of the negative spiritual energies, the sitra achra, what I call demonic forces, breaking them with powerful shattering blasts. These blasts act like an iron rod-shattering pottery. They believe this is why King David chose the word teruahim, which shares the same root as teruah, to describe a shattering action. The Lord said in Psalm 89, Happy is the nation that knows teruah, the shofar blast. They walk in the light of your countenance, God. And in Isaiah chapter 26, it says, For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Now, notice the emphasis on knowing, not necessarily blowing or hearing. And why is this? Well, because the rabbis know the secret of the teruah. We read in Psalm chapter 2, it says, Shatter them, in Hebrew again, teraim, with an iron rod. Teruah is derived from the root to break or shatter, hence the broken notes of the shofar. The rabbis tell us that tekiah comes from the brain, while shivarim comes from the heart. This is reflected in Psalm 51, where it reads, The contrite spirit, which in Hebrew is nishbar, is a sacrifice to God, in Hebrew, zevach. O God, you will not despise a contrite and broken heart, nishbar. The word shivarim means broken and is related to the spiritual realm of strength called gevurah. This is God's power to restrict and conceal the light so that his creatures can receive his loving kindness. And it takes strength, it takes gevurah to break or humble something. In the quoted verse, the same root, shever, describes the contrite and broken heart. The nefesh, or the soul, is the raw life force and is represented by the blood. The heart distributes the blood and so it represents the soul, the nefesh. So in summary, the sound of tikiyah says, we are desperate for God. The sound of shevarim and tiruah say, we are brokenhearted over our separation from God. And the final blast of the tikiyah is God's response of love saying, return my children, return. No matter where you roam, you can always come back home. So now let's talk about atonement. One of the repeated themes of the shofar blast is that of atonement. When the heart is broken, as opposed to being full of itself, the light of the divine can enter. 
The shivarim blasts of the shofar represent the breaking of pride in our hearts before the Creator. This diminishes our consciousness, which is called bina in Hebrew and is derived from the Hebrew word for understanding. Bina, in turn, relates to the heart and is the state where the soul wants nothing for itself. When we annul ourselves before God, His harsh judgments are slaughtered, which is taken from the word zevach, which means to slaughter. And these are slaughtered by our broken and contrite spirit. And so we read in Psalm 51 again, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. The sound of the teruah is from the wings of the lungs, which is the source of the sound. The lungs and the windpipe contain the sound, and they make the simple sound, while the mouth and specifically the lips make the speech of the shofar. Speech always represents the sefirah of malchut, which is the spiritual realm of exaltedness and humility. And so the very act of blowing the shofar represents our unification with the divine, we become one with God. So let us summarize all that we've talked about. And there has been quite a bit of information. So I would encourage you to go back and listen and re-listen a few more times. I know I've given you a lot of Hebrew terms and definitions and a lot of deep spiritual insights from the writings of the rabbis. So let's summarize again. The shofar, not the silver trumpet, is an instrument that God uses to shatter our pride and open our hearts to His loving kindness. But it is not the shofar that makes the sound. It is our mouth that cries out from our heart, from our soul in repentance to the Lord. And with a broken and contrite spirit, the Lord in turn shatters His judgments against us. Rambam, who is one of our great sages, writes, Although the sounding of the shofar in Rosh Hashanah is a divine decree which is accepted without our having to understand its reason, nevertheless we can discern a purpose in doing so. It is as if to tell, sleepers, arise from your slumber, and those who are dozing, awake from your lethargy. Review your actions, repent your sins, and remember your Creator. Those who forget the truth with the passing of time and who waste their years pursuing vanity and folly that is purposeless and cannot save you, look into your souls and improve your ways and your deeds. Let all abandon the ways of evil and thoughts that offer no benefit. These verses address repentance and forgiveness and are the central theme surrounding the time from the Feast of Trumpets through the Day of Atonement. And these will be fulfilled on the Day of the Lord with a great shofar blast when Christ returns to the earth, and then he will pour out his judgments on all flesh, but on Jerusalem his spirit of grace and supplication. God will open Israel's uncircumcised hearts, and she will regret her sins. As it says in Zechariah chapter 12, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. The nation of Israel will cry out for the Lord just as in the days of Egypt, and they will call out for the coming of their Messiah, the son of David. Yeshua said in Matthew 23, 
you shall see me no more, though you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Oh yes, Israel will cry out from their bondage and suffering. And God will remember his covenant with Israel and he will save them. And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written in Romans 11, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. And in Psalm 14, it says, oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord brings back the captivity of his people. Let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Amen. If you have enjoyed this teaching from House of David Ministries, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. We pray the Lord richly bless you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.